Welcome to another message from Citizen Heights. We are located in the nation's capital, where our heart is to inspire hope, remove limitations, and help you experience God's possible for your life. Join Pastors Michael and Heather Giroux in their passion to help you live your best life. We hope you enjoy today's encouraging and uplifting message. We are excited to be in church online campus. We want to welcome you again and say thanks for tuning in. And uh, another big shout out to our Tenley Town campus. We love you and uh, excited for what God is going to do. And of course, Dulles, you look brilliant as always. And uh, we're going to have a great day. And I couldn't help but notice on church news uh, this Friday night. Come on, men, don't miss out. This Friday night, wild summer nights uh, with all of our guys. We're coming out in strength and uh, going to have a great time. Saturdays don't belong completely to the boys, but at least at 7 p.m. on Saturday, it's, it's going to be us, and we're looking forward to it. Well, welcome once again, and uh, we're going to go ahead and turn together right now. If you have your Bible with you, you're, we're going to turn to Matthew chapter 16. And as always, uh, we like to review a little bit, tell you where we're at, and uh, this is week six of our follow series. So we only have one more week after this. Uh, we're following Jesus's life and teaching in seven critical areas. And so today is week six. We're going to get the sixth area. And it's good to review where we've been, don't you think? Don't you think review is good? Uh, week one, we talked about the power of God's call. You know, saying yes and following Jesus. What that does. Uh, week two, we talked the power of God's word. Following Jesus by reading and obeying the Bible. Come on, anybody? That's an easy amen, right? Reading and obeying the Bible. Week three, we talked about the power of God's presence. Following Jesus by praying and worshiping. Uh, week four, we talked about the power of God's community. Following Jesus by building relationships. And that brings us to week six, and we're going to talk about following Jesus, what it means to follow Jesus. We want to be good at that, right? Anybody here want to be good at following Jesus? I'm going to activate all of our people here at the Dulles campus just for a minute, uh, especially my guys. Where's all my Heights men? Okay, you're going to make some noise right now because I told you last week I'm going to need your help today as we talk about it because we've been studying Matthew 16 making your way there right now. I'm giving you an opportunity. Matthew 16, and you're probably already there, so let's jump in. I want to read the same verses we've read for the last six weeks now. Verse 24, verse 25 of Matthew 16, because we want to follow Jesus. Ready? It says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, if any, of, if any of you want to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Give up your own way. Take up your cross, follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. This text we've read a few weeks in a row now, and I keep on coming back to that one phrase, you must give up your own way. And to follow Jesus, you have to give up your own way. If you're going to be a follower of Jesus... There's a detachment that you make at some point of my ways, and I start to ascribe to his higher ways, right? His ways are higher, right? And, and, and let's face it, some of our own ways and some of our old ways haven't been working. 
True? So, so I want to talk to you today about following Jesus. And just to set the stage, uh, uh, let's get personal. Um, let me ask you today, is anyone here in a serious relationship? Yes or no? In a serious, I'm glad to see our married couples raising their hands. Good, yes, that qualifies. Yes, two hands, thank you. Uh, if you are single and in a relationship and unsure if this relationship is serious, uh, I have some advice for you. Next time you get fast food, next time you go to Z Burger or Five Guys, or if you're on the West Coast on our online campus, uh, In N Out Burger, uh, if you next time you go with that special someone, try to steal a French fry. Just try to take a fry. If that person really loves you, and if that person has a future with you, and they see a genuine, honest relationship, like a this is who I really am relationship that you have with that person, they will tell you to get your own fries. They will tell you how upset they are about it. They will tell you, uh, you can't steal my fries. Because if you're just dating and this relationship isn't going to last, you'll let a few fries slide. But if this is forever, we need some rules of engagement. Uh, right? You have to let them know. You can't steal my fries. This is a serious offense. Now, some couples have figured out the 12th level of marital bliss, and they, they share fries willingly. And, and, and someday, maybe we'll all be there. But for now, uh, I, I, you've got to understand, you can't steal my fries. Anybody with me? And, and I knew all this talk about fries would make us hungry. So I asked the welcome team to help us out. So right now they're going to come in and they have a bunch of fries, hot fries at both campuses. Go ahead. And they are going to just randomly give these fries out uh, to whoever would like some. And we're going to leave it up to you. You, you recipients of the fries are going to have the opportunity to decide whether you share with your neighbors or not. Whether you're going to let them steal some of your fries. Go ahead and enjoy the fries. That's right. And let's see if they share with their neighbors. Now here's something I just learned while we're distributing the fries. Is... Uh, I just learned this last week. Some of us have been sharing our fries whether we knew it or not. Some of us have been sharing our fries because all of us have been eating a little bit more delivery lately. DoorDash, Uber Eats, what have you. And so we've been all eating a little bit more of that delivery. And there was a survey just released last week that revealed that the food delivery drivers for your favorite delivery companies... 8 out of 10 admit to eating some of your food on the way to your house. 8 out of 10. 80% of the drivers are stealing our fries. 20 to 30 minutes in a car alone with your food was too much. And they help themselves. Eating what doesn't belong to them. Stealing your fries. Shocking, right? I would be happy if that's all we discovered was happening to the food in those cars. But let's move on. Today's message is entitled, You Can't Steal My Blessing. You Can't Steal My Blessing. 
And I want to talk to you today, because we're not talking about fries, obviously. Today we're talking about the power of God's purpose. Remember, we, we go through the power of God's word and the power of prayer and the power of God's presence. Today we're talking about the power of God's purpose, following Jesus by giving obediently, generously, and sacrificially. You can't steal my blessing. Come on, turn to someone and say, you can't steal my blessing. There, there's a blessing. Oh, well, thank you. I'm a carb-free guy. Uh, I, I want to immediately re-gift this before I'm overwhelmed with temptation. They smell so good, and you have to eat them so fast because within three to five minutes, they turn into packing peanuts. So eat them quickly. The big idea that we're talking about today, you can't steal my blessing, but the big idea is there's a blessing that no one can touch when we follow Jesus' example in giving obediently, generously, and sacrificially. Jesus knows a little something about giving. Do you know that? Jesus knows a little bit of something about giving because Jesus was a giver. Jesus noticed giving. It's a very quiet room. Wow. All right. I'm hoping our regulars will, you know, in between the chewing, step into that place to, to help us work this in. But, but we understand Jesus was a giver. It, for God so loved the world, God gave. God is a giver. And so in church, you might not be aware of this, but in church, Jesus noticed and Jesus was aware of what people gave and with what heart people gave. Jesus actually noticed this. It's recorded for us in the New Testament that Jesus noticed what people were giving. He was aware of it. In Luke 20, he notices when somebody gives obediently and generously and sacrificially. In Matthew 23, he notices when somebody gives, he notices the details of what they kept, and he notices the details of what they gave. So listen, followers of Jesus eventually become givers. That's just a progression that's going to happen in your life. Get ready. Get ready. Followers of Jesus eventually become givers because giving is the very nature of God. And so we're stepping into his nature. We're, we're becoming more like him as we follow him. So I'm going to give you three ways we can follow Jesus' example of giving. So I want you to write these down. As always, you can jump on our Citizen Heights app and you can follow the discussion there. But I like taking some notes when I'm in church because I want to read it again. I want to refresh it again because hearing it on Sunday is good. Living it Monday through Saturday, that's the real goal, right? Anybody here want to follow Jesus? Number one, giving like Jesus means I give the tithe. I'm going to talk about it a little bit. Giving like Jesus means I give the tithe because Jesus said give the tithe and tithe means 10%. Listen, Jesus didn't teach us how to give randomly and, and, and vaguely. Jesus taught us to give the tithe. So I'm going to explain this, but let's read Matthew 23, verse 23. Set the stage. It says, woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, and hypocrites. Jesus is being very direct. He says, woe to you, the people, hypocrites. You know what to do, but you don't do what you know to do. He says, for you pay the tithe of, of mint and anise and cumin, these, these spices. So just imagine you're at, uh, what's, what's that great restaurant over here? Some, social house? 
Social House. I love this restaurant. And, and imagine you go there afterwards and you order your food and you say, I need some salt and pepper. And they bring you the salt and pepper and you, you go to put the salt in your hand before you distribute. And you go, oh, wait a minute. Before I salt my food, I must give 10% of my salt to, to the Lord. And you take a pinch and you throw it out as unto the Lord and then you salt your food. This is what this is talking about. He's saying, woe to you guys, because you know what to do, but you don't do it. And the reason I know you know what to do is because you're tithing out of the spices you use on your food, yet you neglect the weightier matters, justice, mercy, and faith. And then Jesus says, these you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. He doesn't say stop tithing the 10%. He says, you should be doing from the heart and from the hand. You hear me? From the heart and from the hand. Jesus taught us about giving the tithe. Giving like Jesus starts with the tithe. The word tithe literally means tenth. It means 10%. So if we had time, we'd trace this throughout the Bible. We'd look back at the life of Abraham. We'd look at how in Genesis 14 he brought the tithe to the priest Melchizedek and how that became part of the, the expression of worship for all of Israel, how it became ingrained as in their culture, how it was a budgeted assumption, 10% belongs to God. Not I give 10% to God, but I return the 10% that God already owns. I, I, that's his, right? So that was just a budgetary assumption and it was completely integrated into the, the mind and the worship of Israel. Now, why does that apply to us? Well, let's just establish this backdrop. Leviticus 27 tells us, just so we get a, their mindset, because Jesus is summoning this mindset in Matthew 23 and, and saying, this is your mind too. Leviticus 27, it says, a tithe of everything from the land, whether it's grain or soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It's already his. Right? It's, he already owns it. Title and deed to a tenth of everything. So this is what Jesus is summoning in the minds uh, of his Jewish audience in Matthew 23. He's summoning the same thought. These you ought to have done. You know you, you're, you're, you're tithers. These you ought to have done, but don't lose the heart of giving. Justice and mercy and peace. So don't lose the heart, but don't stop giving from the hand. They, they have to be connected. So the 10% was a reminder that everything we have belongs to God. The 10% belongs to him, but it's really a representation and a reminder that everything I have belongs to the Lord. Everything I have is because of the Lord. That's why the Bible says, be a cheerful giver. We're, we're so glad to give because we understand without him, I'd have nothing. He's blown upon it and blessed it and multiplied it and sustained me. Without him, i probably, I, I don't know where I would be. All the glory and credit and honor goes to him, and he owns it all. But the tenth reminds me of that reality. And the tenth connects my hand to my heart. Do you understand? Let's look at it. Matthew 6, 21. I'll just put this up quickly because I'm going to move through a lot today because this is going to be, I'm excited. I love topics like this. I just, I love topics that are easy to align ourselves with that are clear in the scripture and you just go, oh, I can, I can do that. I, w I was kind of out of alignment. I can get, this is easy. Matthew 6, 21 says, where your treasure is, 
there your heart will be also. Do you think God needs financial backing? Do you think God needs our money? No, but he wants our heart. And guess what has our heart? Our money, our resources, our finances. For some of us, it's our time is more, uh, you know, more valuable. For some of us, our gifts and, and, and abilities. And, but those are all God's. And so when I, the tithe calls upon me to, to do something from my hand that now my heart has to follow because the heart follows the treasure. Giving the tithe is one of the only things we do. I was talking to somebody the other day about all the follow topics we've brought up, you know, worshiping and praying and reading and obeying and, and building relationships and all of these things. And, and I said, it strikes me that giving the tithe, like giving generously, obediently, and sacrificially like Jesus, it's, it's one of the only things we do to follow Jesus that is absolutely clear when we do it. You know what I mean? Like, hey, have you been praying? Yeah, but I probably should pray more. Have you, have you been building relationships and loving people? Yeah, but I've been a little bit judgy too, right? But giving, I know when I've done it. It's 10%. It's quantifiable. I know when I've completely obeyed what God said to do in that area. There's no guesswork involved. I don't know. That Maybe it's just me. I like to know when I can say, I did it. I completed that step. I responded to the Lord. I said yes to him in that area of my life. So the tithe is not from the mind of men. Understand this. This is not from the mind of men. We just read several scriptures in the app notes. I actually gave you some more. The, the tithe is not from the mind of men. It's an economical principle of heaven that we're connecting to. And so learning to live as disciples of Jesus, we're learning to live as, as his disciples. And there are learning curves as you're learning to live for Jesus. And this might be an easy one for you. Just an easy learning curve. All right, and this might be a tough one. This might be a challenging one for you. But understand, we're empowered by the Spirit of God. Uh, we're instructed by the Word of God so that we can walk out the ways of God. And so this is a necessary step. You don't have to be, uh, I, I just want to clarify, you don't have to be a tither to attend Citizen Heights. Nobody's checking on you. You can give 0% of all of your increase. Uh, no one would know except God. Or you could give 3% of all your increase, or 5%, or 8%, but you couldn't tithe, because tithe means 10%. Right? It's very clear. So Jesus didn't just teach us to give. Jesus taught us to tithe. Now, if you have a problem with it, take it up with him. I don't understand some of the paradoxes of Scripture that, that the way up is down and the way down is up. And if you want to be greatest in the kingdom, become the servant of all. And if you want to increase and invite blessing on your resources, that you actually give some away. Listen, all I know is that we serve a supernatural God. He puts supernatural principles into place. And as we come into alignment with those, we begin to walk in blessing. And I'm telling you right now, you can't steal my blessing on this front you just can't steal it like even if you're nibbling on some of the fries god will repay god watches over god restores and so the economy of this world and the drivers uh delivery drivers of this world they can't put me in a worse position when i'm being obedient to the lord in this area you can't steal it all right so maybe you've never considered this and don't know the significance of it 
track with us for the next few minutes, okay? Can I just encourage you, track with it. Jesus says tithe. Tithe literally means 10%, number one. Number two, giving like Jesus means the tithe belongs to God. All right, I established that a second ago, but let's develop it. Because th what, there, what that means is there's a, uh, there's a, uh, when you accept that premise, there is a conclusion that necessarily follows, okay? Giving like Jesus means the tithe belongs, which means not giving the tithe is robbing from God. Number two. Now, I know this sounds strong. I didn't write it. I'm just going to read it to you. Malachi 3, verse 8 through 10. Let's look at it together. It says, this is how it starts. Will a mere mortal rob God? Can you say, does God need my money? No. Could I rob God? Yes. Malachi 3, will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. You ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse because you're robbing me. Bring the whole tithe in the storehouse, and then there may be food in my house. Test me in this. Come on, I love this part. Test me in this, says the Lord, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing. Can you steal it? No, you cannot steal it because God is opening floodgates and pouring it out. So much blessing, there's not room enough to store it. So hear what this is saying. It says the tithe belongs to God. And the tithe belongs in God's house. And when it's withheld or redirected to a different house, God calls it robbing him. I didn't write it. You can see it right there. It seems strong. Robbing God. This makes perfect sense. So let's just do a little logical premise, premise, conclusion. Sound good? Premise one. The tithe is 10% of all my increase. Right? Premise two. The tithe belongs to God and is supposed to be brought to God's house. Conclusion one, keeping what belongs to God is stealing. Forget about stealing fries. We're talking about stealing tithes. All right? Conclusion two, giving what belongs in God's house to another house is stealing. Personally, this is all I needed to know as a young Christian to make my decision. That was it. I was in. I was, I was in. But we have this little voice in our heads, don't we? I could save that money. Like, I need that money. I got to have that. Like, that 10%, 10%, it, it's just enough, isn't it? To, to go, ah, like, that's going to impact my budget. That's going to impact, you know, my, my cash flow, my liquidity, what I want to do with my finances. But understand this. Understand this. You're, you're hearing it, so now you're responsible for it. You're not saving your money by tithing. Malachi 3 tells us you're cursing your money by not tithing. You're, you're not saving. You think you're saving, and then something else comes along and steals. Something comes along and steals. Something comes along and steals. And we've all lived that. And, and it's because Malachi 3.9, let's put this up, Malachi 3.9, it says, you're under a curse because you're robbing from me. Listen, this is, this is truth that sets us free. Because if you're walking around going, man, I, I love God, and I pray, and I'm, I'm serving at church, and I, I love people, and wh why does it seem like there's always, the car breaks down just when I'm about to hit even, and, and then this comes up, and the, the HVAC goes out, and I need, you know, my kids need this from me, and I'm always just paycheck to paycheck to paycheck. Listen, 
if you're robbing from God, there are holes in your pockets. And it doesn't matter how much we teach you biblical principles on how to gather, you will continue to, like a sieve, to just lose the blessing of God. Do you hear me? Some preachers pride themselves, some churches pride themselves in never bringing this topic up. Oh, we don't talk about giving here. Uh, what a selfish thing to do, preacher. Like, people need to know that if they're working that hard to start that business and to lay that foundation and to have resources and to have stuff to do and accomplish in this world, and you're not telling them there's a key principle that they're missing out on, Come on, as if we're doing you a favor? No, no, I will not do you that favor. I will do you a better favor. I will tell you that God actually cares about your resources, has a plan and purpose and a financial plan for those resources, and that he will protect, guard, watch over, multiply those resources when you're walking in alignment with his word. So it's an easy adjustment, isn't it? It's just in the line item of the budget. Boom, it's gone. My kids learned this from an early age. I, they didn't we didn't we didn't do like a 35 minute teaching on it like I get think about that I get the time it takes for a sitcom to play to instill like this this principle that can transform your life and so we've got this time right now to grab hold of something to hear it and then decide are we going to obey it are we going to live it right so so I don't know this week my airpods went out on me my airpods stopped uh, charging wirelessly and so um, if you've ever had a pro ever have an appliance break down, a device go, and, it, and you got to troubleshoot it, that's what I was doing this week. I finally was annoyed and bothered by it enough that I was like, I want my AirPods back. I'm going to troubleshoot it. So I Google it. I look it up. And uh, because I had already tried everything I know how, uh, you know, to fix them, I, I shook them. You know, I tapped them on stuff. I opened them and closed them 20 times. Nothing I did worked, so I finally Google it. And uh, Apple is very helpful. Um, but whenever you Google or look up a manufacturer's instructions to troubleshoot a device, the first three things are always the same. The first three steps are always, always the same. Make sure the power cord is plugged into the wall. Step one. And you're like, hello. Step two, make sure the other end of the power cord is plugged firmly into the charger. Duh. Step three, make sure device is turned on. Come on, have you ever read these troubleshooting steps? And you're like, you know, come on, man. I, I'm not a moron. Oh, wait a minute. It was, it was jiggly loose there. Okay, it, it, it works. It works. It was just something, you know, so basic. And sometimes you have to check your most basic connections. And sometimes you just have to check your most basic connections because, well, it's in the wall, and the wall is plugged into the, oh, it's, it's, there's a disconnect. And when there's a disconnect, if your finances have not been working, if you've not been, if, if there's been a sense of withholding and greed or just stress and anxiety in your life, there's a connection missing somewhere. Do you hear me? Come on, church. This is good, and this will help you because th there is a protection over, and there's a peace. That uh, now I'm not saying all finances are going to be multiplied because this is not an investment 
situation it's not dollar for dollar we don't give to god to get from god it's not a greed motivation understand this but there is a peace factor that comes when i go god is watching over me because i'm walking in his ways and so even if it is lean and even if this is a little whoa i didn't see that coming i'm just going to trust the lord because i'm walking in obedience so i'm going to check that connection today can we check that connection in your life it, maybe we can see it again plain as can be malachi 310 Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Can we put that up, guys? Malachi 3.10. Bring the whole tithe. That, two powerful truths. The power of the whole tithe, 10%, and the whole tithe, number two, into God's house. The tithe already belongs to God. And when I don't give it, mm-mm-mm. I'm not stealing your fries I'm stealing something that belongs to God and there's something serious and and that should cause us enough pause to go wait a minute I need to dig into this because if this is true I, I've got a basic connection missing that I need to realign number three last one giving like Jesus means walking in blessing the tithe is blessed and multiplied by God giving like Jesus means walking in blessing the tithe is blessed and multiplied by God. We just read it in Malachi 3.10. Test me in this. Only time I see in Scripture where God says, you can test me. I'm telling you what's true. Put it into motion. See if it works. God is, is offering you an opportunity to test his nature and to test his word. Because the Bible says he's watching over his word to perform it. He says, go ahead, test me. Give the tithe and see if I won't do this. I won't throw open the windows of heaven. I won't pour as so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. I mean, I read that and I go, of course there's not going to be enough room to store it because it's not supposed to be stored. This isn't a get rich scheme. This is a get reach scheme. This is a God saying, get involved, get connected to my purpose for people's lives because your giving is tied to somebody else's miracle. Do you hear me? Your giving is tied to somebody else's breakthrough. Your giving is tied to somebody else's moment of deliverance. And so what a, what a privilege. So much blessing. Not enough room to contain. See, you're not wasting your money by tithing. You're blessing your money by tithing. And even last week, I was walking with one of the guys uh, from Heights Men. We went on a hike. And... Uh, and he goes, man, I just never wanted to have that testimony that we always hear in church. He goes, we always hear the testimony in church of, hey, I started tithing, and I gave, and I tithe, and then God gave me a house, you know, and God did this. He goes, but it's exactly what happened this year. <laughs> he goes, it's, I, like, I didn't want to have that same old testimony, but I'm sorry, you're going to get the same old testimony of God watching over his word, coming through, doing exceedingly abundantly above all you could ask, thought, or imagine, making your insufficiency more than enough for what he has for you, him coming through at the 11th and 12th hour and providing in such a way that only he gets the credit. I'm telling you, when you, when you tithe, you're not wasting your money, you're blessing it. So we just read, when you don't tithe... You bring a curse on your finances, but the alter, the alternate is true. When you tithe, you bring a blessing on your finances. And, and this is important because this is, again, this is not a greed motivator. It comforts you to trust the very personal, very powerful fiscal matters of your life to the Lord's control. 
Do you hear me? My 90% plus God's blessing is going to be more than enough for everything I need. My 90% plus God's blessing is going to be enough. And there's a peace in that. There's a peace that hits you when all of a sudden financial hardship hits. And you, and you go, whoa, what am I going to do? Oh, wait. The Lord is my source. The Lord is my provider. Right? Proverbs eleven twenty four is that paradox. It's the testimony, right? It's, it's telling us one, free, one freely gives and gains more. Well, that doesn't make sense. He's giving. How, why is he getting, why is he increasing? He's giving. Sounds like a giver. But it contrasts it. Another one withholds what is right. Okay, he's withholding it. So he should be increasing, right? He's keeping stuff. Sounds like a non-tither. What's that happen? What happens to him? It says, only to become poor. It's one of those paradoxes, right? Now, it might be hard to hear some of this, but can I just encourage you? In John 6, it says Jesus was saying some hard, he was teaching some hard things, and, the, and some of his followers said, what you're saying is a hard thing. And Jesus said, if you think it's hard, it's because you're living through a natural mindset. He said, the natural mindset is, is not, he said, I have a spiritual mindset for you and spiritual principles for you. So you're going to hear things that are hard things, but understand tr that truth. If you're going to follow Jesus, we have to detach from our old ways and our ways, and we follow his ways. And, and it says at the end of John 6, it said, many of them stopped following him. Because there was difficult things being said. If Jesus was alive today, church, he'd be saying some difficult things. Uh, alive. If Jesus was on earth today, Jesus is alive, I'm happy to say. We celebrate it every Sunday, especially on Easter. But if Jesus was preaching to crowds today, he'd be saying some hard things. Just like in John 6. Come on, he'd be saying some hard things about how we give. Come on, he'd be saying some hard things about male and female. I created them. You are not choosing your gender. <laughs> I have designated your gender. It is not a construct of man. It's a created intention of heaven. Right? He'd be saying some hard things. Your sexual immorality cannot be redefined as your sexual identity that we all celebrate. He'd be saying some hard things. And some people would go, it's too hard. I can't follow this. That is a fair conclusion, a tragic one, but a fair one. But understand, there is a difference between following Jesus and just following cultural norms. Heather, are you okay over there? My dearest Heather, the non-confrontational one. Listen, for me, if I'm out of alignment, if I go to the doctor, like happened several earlier last year and he says you're out of shape you have high blood pressure this is going to be a problem for you this is happening to you this is happening to you listen i want i want to know the diagnosis honestly so then i can accept the cure right so if you go into your oncologist and you're like don't you dare tell me i've got cancer and he goes well you know you do have it but the good news is there's a treatment for it and here's the treatment so you can get into it. Listen, some of us have a condition of rebellion to God's ways. 
And when we see it in the Bible, we go, oh my gosh, I was missing this. I didn't know it. Now grace comes so I can align and choose to say yes to Jesus. The Holy Spirit's going to empower me, not just give me the courage, but give me the grace to say yes. And now I'm going to walk actually following in Jesus' footsteps. Come on, it's amazing when you begin to be obedient to tithe. That was quite a detour, but y'all handled it well. When you begin to give, you start down a path of discovering the law of sowing and reaping. And it is awesome. And you get bold about praying God's blessing. Let me tell you how much the enemy doesn't want us to be a giving church. Somebody who hasn't come to this church for over a year and a half, I don't know, maybe two years, emailed me out of the blue this week to talk about how you've got no vision as a pastor. You refuse to give vision. You talk about giving. You shouldn't talk about giving. This whole thing. And I went, oh, yeah? We're going to talk about giving, devil. You're not going to shut us down. Like, out of the blue, somebody just randomly, let's write an email to try to discourage you from, from talking about vision and the purposes of God. Because vision to move mountains and move in people's lives and influence people, it takes resources. It, I mean, it just does. And so that reality, I, I, I read that email and I was discouraged for about three hours, to be honest. I was just like, oh man, I don't want that guy mad at me, and I don't want, you know. I, and then I was like, this is the devil. <laughs> the person's not the devil, but, you know, sometimes the enemy influences us, and we write emails. <laughs> we write texts that we shouldn't write. And I said, that was supposed to be a shot off the bow to discourage me to limp into this message, to be very soft about it, like, yeah, if you want to. No. We want to follow Jesus, and we want to follow in the truth. So, so, we're going to go ahead, we're going to give, we're going to sow, and we're still going to increase, even though we're giving, even though we're sowing, even though we're blessing, even though we're obedient in the tithe, generous in offering, blessing people around us. It's, it's, again, it's not meant for storing. It's meant for sowing. My needs, but more than enough for my needs, your needs and others' needs. Proverbs 3.9, we'll, we'll wrap it up quick here. You've been great, but this is an important message. We don't do these very often. Proverbs 3.9.10, it says, Honor the Lord with your possessions, first fruits of all your increase. Look what it says in verse 10. So your barns will be plenty, your vats will overflow with new wine. Come on, barns filled? Vats overflowed? Tithers pray bold prayers. Can I just tell you? Tithers pray bold prayers. They, they pray bold, uh, bold prayers enough for me, enough for you, and enough for the needs of others around me. Because your 90% plus God's blessing is more than you'll ever need. It's not give to give. It's not based on greed or motives for more. It's surrender of our hearts. It's surrender of the treasures, you know? The treasures that we, oh, that's my treasure. Well, what if it's in the hands of the Lordship of Christ? What if we're following Him? And I, know, I don't know about you, but sometimes we get caught up in this someday syndrome. It's just someday, someday I'll do that. Okay, pastor, I hear what you're saying, but I can't do that now. Someday when I get a raise, someday when I get a promotion, someday when my budget gets equaled out, you know, the market rebounds or whatever it is. And all I want to say to you is don't wait for your salary to open a door that only obedience will open. Don't wait for that day. An act of obedience, not an act of your employer. That's all it takes. 
and I watch my kids tithe on their allowance and tithe on their first job and tithe and the, the tithe the, the numbers to get bigger but it doesn't phase them because they've embraced this life-changing truth you can't feel my blessing you can't take it no one can steal what God has for you but the truth is you can forfeit it you can refuse to follow it to connect and align with it so let me tell you last few minutes let me tell you why I know we need this message let me tell you why I know we need we need to hear about this because I'm not gonna we, we don't hide the ball here we talk very honestly and open openly and uh, I say each week when we do our offering we're a generous church we're a generous church you know and part of that is because that's a reality of who we've been and part of that's because you speak you believe therefore you speak so we're speaking life we're a generous church but the reality is we're in unusual waters as as a church because right now only about 30 percent of citizen heights are tithing now that i'll just tell you historically speaking that's a very low percentage for us only 30 percent are giving like the bible teaches and like jesus taught us in matthew 23 23 now, understand, we're bigger than ever as a church. Our ministry footprints have doubled. We're reaching more people than ever. Yet those who are carrying the financial weight of the vision of this house is, is, is smaller than ever. So that's, that's something that you look at as a father and as a pastor and you go, well, that doesn't just mean only 30% are getting the blessing. That means 70% are missing out on it. And that's something that I believe that we need to remedy as a church. We need to say, for those who don't really know how church finances work, you, you might think, somebody asked me, we were out to dinner recently, and somebody asked me, how do finances of the church work? Like, how do, how do we do things? How do people get paid on our team and our staff? And all of our ministry, all of our buildings, all of our youth camp, staffing benevolence, we're sending, I don't know, what, 70, 75 kids to camp, and and doing outreaches. How, how does all that happen? It all happens because God designed the tithe to fund his house. You know what I mean? It's not a complicated, I, I know you can track with that, but let me ask you this. Let's make it personal. Would you be able to run your house if your employer issued you a check two or three times a year according to whatever he wanted to give you? <laughs> I feel like the Lord gave me that analogy. If your employer only paid you when he felt like it or a feeling of generosity hit him or intermittently, you know, you found that direct deposit in your account, would you be able to run your house? It would be impossible, right? You have weekly obligations, monthly obligations, and opportunities. God's house is like your, your house. It doesn't run on pixie dust. It doesn't run on, on unicorn wishes, right? Vision to change lives takes resources. The purpose of God, the purposes of God are are propelled by the obedience of the people of God. You know, it's his dream, but he puts it through our wallets and makes us co-laborers and partners in the purposes of God. Is there any greater privilege? Like when you go to partner with someone and invest in, in this new upstart, this new startup and this new company, consider the gospel of Jesus and what we're doing. It's every believer's blessing to be part of it. And you can't steal that blessing. It's kingdom purpose. 
So let me tell you what I think is going to happen. I think we're going to respond as a church. I think we're going to respond and we're going to keep growing. You know, I think about the vision that we have to do more and to reach more. I think about this past year and getting uh, Heights Academy up and running and then getting certified by the state and then becoming a state vendor so we can make a way for more families to find childcare. I think we're going to start a, a, a new uh, campaign for Heights Academy, first month free, and just get some st- more students in here. Because Danielle Van Vlack is a generational leader. She's a once-in-a-lifetime type of leader at the helm of this. And it's going to be a huge blessing. You know, and I look down the road, and I just think of all... I, I, I've just last week, we're doing our very first wedding here in our Dulles campus. And I'm seeing the lives that have been brought together and, and impacted. And there's so much more ahead. And these 70, 75 students going to camp. And we're going to make way. And, and, and I'm just believing that our best days are still ahead. And we have pastors David and Gaina Davila, who you see on the big screen for Church News. They're returning in August. We're going to hire Pastor David to be a pastor on staff. And he's going to be another amazing uh, a gift to the body of Christ to love and to care for people and organize us and strategize us. Listen, we're going to keep going because God is our source. The only question is, do you want to be part of that journey? So we're on a journey to discover following Jesus involves giving obediently, generously, and sacrificially. So you've heard it. Followers of Jesus don't hear. They do. So let's get practical. You've heard it for a few weeks now. I want you to consider one action point on this message. One thing that you can do. Take the tithe test described in Malachi 3. Just take the tithe test. Test me in this, says the Lord. Take him at his word. Give him 10% of all your increase. Do it for three months. I would just say do it forever and just commit yourself to it. But if you want to take the tithe test, do it. Give 10%. Make God your source. Let the heart of your treasure get connected to God's house. Do it cheerfully, not out of obligation, not because you feel guilty. Do it because there's a sense in your heart, I need to connect, reconnect this basic alignment to God's word in the area of my finances. What it's going to do, it's going to break the curse over your 90% and invite the blessing of God in a new powerful way. Then I want you to share a testimony uh, uh, of God's faithfulness to our info account at citizenheights.com because obedience in the tithe brings great joy and it brings generosity in every, every area. You're going to start showing up to work with a a box of donuts, right? You're going to pay for the meal for that stranger two tables over without even taking the credit. Isn't that the best move? On Sunday afternoons, Christians should be known for the biggest tips in the restaurant and just paying random checks without even wanting the credit for it. So people just walk out of there going, my meal was paid for? Absolutely. Generosity is contagious, but it starts with obedience. Amen. So let's bow our heads, every location. I appreciate you just being patient as we, I want to lay a firm foundation that you can build a strong follow of Jesus, even in the area of giving. So let's bow our heads. We're going to wrap up. God, we love you. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you. And and we just say from our hearts, we want to follow you, Jesus. We want to follow you in every detail. And as you uh, reveal to us new ways that we've been out of alignment or that we could come and and walk in a greater truth, God, we pray that there would be grace on us, Holy Spirit, that you would enable us to respond 
with with a, a sense of faith, not a sense of obligation, like like religious conformity, but a decision to say yes and obey your word that's met with incredible grace. So Father, we ask right now, give us the courage to be obedient in the tithe. Give us the heart to become generous and obedient and sacrificial givers. With every eye closed, we're out of time, but as you sit here and listen today, you realize I need a faith that follows Jesus. And it's not even on the topic of giving. It's not even about your time or your resources or your gifts, your abilities. You just realize that you haven't been following at the level that God is asking you to. And I want to give you an opportunity right now. It might be the first time you've ever made this decision for yourself. It might be a recommitment moment because you just realize I don't know where I stand with Jesus. We always give an opportunity today. I want to give you just a moment for you to say, Jesus, I need you as my Lord and my Savior. I got to detach from my old ways and my ways, and I got to ascribe and live and embrace your ways. And by doing that, you're inviting Jesus into your life. By doing that, you're saying, Jesus, forgive me of all my sins. By doing that, you're saying, Jesus, you are going to be in the driver's seat of my life. With every eye closed, I want to count to three. When I hit three, I'm going to invite you to lift your hand. By lifting your hand, you're saying, Jesus, I need you in my life. It might be a first-time follow. It might be a refresh and a fresh start follow. But it's time to say yes to Jesus. Don't walk out of one of these campuses. Don't leave the, your room today online campus without knowing that Jesus loves you. Jesus paid the ultimate price for you because Jesus is a giver. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son. So let's give an opportunity now. One, don't wait. Today is your day. Two, just by lifting your hand, I'm not going to call you out of your seat or call any attention to you. But you're saying, yes, Jesus is the answer. I need him in my life. One, two, three. Say, yeah, that's me. Include me in that prayer, Pastor. Awesome. Awesome. Everybody else, say, yeah, that's me. Over in our Tenley Town campus, just lift your hand. Say, I need Jesus in my life. Online campus, you're just lifting your hand. You might be alone in a room or just listening to a podcast, commuting to work, but you know that you've held back and you want to follow hard after God. Just lift your hand right where you are. Say, Jesus, I surrender to you. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, you're the answer that I've been looking for. And maybe some of us in the room didn't feel comfortable lifting our hand, but we know we need this. So we're going to pray this prayer nice and loud all together with you. Repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I love you. And I need you in my life. So I surrender all I am. I surrender everything I hope to be. I put my life in your hands. Put my life in your hands. Jesus, I need you. You're my Lord. You're my Savior. Now say this boldly. I am a Christian. By God's grace, I've been saved. It's God's gift that I'm forgiven. I don't work for it. I don't strive for it. I could never earn it. I simply receive it in Jesus' name. Amen.